The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. All right. Hello, everyone. We have another guest here today, and I'm going to let Shelly introduce herself and talk a little bit about what she does. Hi. Well, thank you for having us on. So I'm Shelly. I am the owner-founder of PPO Advisors. PPO Advisors is a negotiating and PPO contracting company. So we help providers in dental offices get credentialed with insurance companies. But our big uh, drive home and our, our education tool is really helping providers understand the web of insurance and helping them be educated enough to make the right decisions so that they can have lasting success with their PPO contracts. I think everyone hears the horror stories of being involved with insurance and they're definitely out there. And we want to kind of help alleviate some of those nuances that come about with being a PPO practice and help providers figure out the best way to be contracted so that they are not suffering through some of those, you know, main issues that you always are hearing about with most dental practices. That's awesome. And I even had a guest, it was a long time ago, probably almost two years ago now, that's a dentist and specifically mentioned PPO advisors is what they use in that. It's a great, so I was asking them just like, how do you work with these insurance companies? And if you hear all these challenges that come up and they're like, oh, well, there's this great company, PPO Advisors, like you guys got to check it out when you get to that point. So I'd already kind of been familiar a little bit with you. That's awesome. That's great. And, you know, unfortunately, these new providers or providers that have been an associate and then moving on to an associateship, this is not an easy road to navigate. And insurance is really doing a good job of making it complicated overwhelming and confusing. And, and ultimately, you know, that's who has time for that. These providers are are trying to navigate new businesses, uh, new staffs, and then on top of it, just not even having any sort of guidance from the insurance companies makes this almost an undoable task without help. So we're glad to be that resource. Um, and we hope more providers realize that they don't have to go it alone. And I really just want to take it back to the basics with this topic before we dive more into things, because I think some people listening barely understand dental insurance. So can you explain a little bit about kind of the baseline of dental insurance? What's a PPO? Absolutely. So most of the plans that providers are going to be contracted with are going to be your PPO plans. And those are your your plans that employers are going to have um, available for their employees. Uh, but also these are plans that you can pick up through the marketplace as well. So your PPO plans are going to be either your most common. Um, there's there's a variety of other plans, indemnity plans and, and so forth on, but really PPO is what 99% of practices are involved in. Um, so we only help with PPO. We don't do anything with HMO. HMO plans are something that you will hear about and your HMOs are going to be or your DMOs, you'll you'll hear HMO and DMO. Um, those are your your dental uh, individualized type plans where um, 
a, a practice gets an X dollar amount for being involved in the DMO or the HMO and uh, services are really capped at a certain price. So you see more of those HMO plans for um big DSOs. So those, those practices that maybe have a revolving door of providers coming in and out, it's a lot easier for those to, to manage them. Um, we don't particularly enjoy uh, the solo provider being involved with the HMOs just because of the, the risk content that can be involved. Some practices have a great demographic of them. So it's always a conversation we'll engage in, but PPOs are what we are going to be most involved with and then uh, that is going to be the most common plan that any practice will be involved in. Um, as far as you know, hitting the basics here, your insurance companies are are going to say, you know, here's a contract. If you sign this contract, you can be an in-network provider for our company. So that's your Deltas, Blue Cross, um, Aetna, Meritus, on down the line, right? And I think a lot of providers get scared of if we don't have a contract in place, that means we can't see patients, which is not correct. You can be an out-of-network provider. You can still provide benefits um, and insurance will just pay out-of-network for those benefits. So um, we don't want practices to feel as though they have to be heavily involved in every insurance company. I think demographically, practices really need to understand which insurances drive patients in that area and then make the decisions based off of that and not be so involved with insurance that it runs their entire practice with, with no other um, options of even fee-for-service being a little bit of their practice. And I'm also curious in terms of working with PPO advisors or just in general, like how much negotiating power do we really have as dentists? You know, that's a great question. And in all honesty, we have the same negotiating abilities. So it's not that PPO advisors is going to have, you know, a uh, a secret weapon for negotiations. It's that this is all we do. So the fact that we can maybe most likely get better negotiations, it's because we understand the web of how the insurance is connected. So when you look back years ago, and I don't want to, you know, age myself, but years ago when I was in office management, you would have contracts that were just a contract for what you were signing up with. Now, all of these contracts have a backdoor agreement. So they're all connected one way or another, meaning there are seven different ways you can pick up most insurance companies. So PPO advisors has that knowledge and understanding of if we don't like the fee we're getting with this company, there are seven other avenues we can look into and then stack that into your practice so that you're utilizing the highest fee schedule for that one network. So there's really more to than just negotiations. It's stacking and really understanding that web of what you're getting into so you can manage it properly in your practice. And I think that's where the difference comes in. We all have the same negotiating ability. We all know how to talk on the phone and, and talk to a representative and to express why we need an increase, but it's so much more than that. It's really understanding how to play the game. And I hate to say this, 
but insurance has made this one big game. So it's really having that knowledge to be powerful in the game so that you can be one step ahead. And if you're signing a contract to be a network with an insurance company, is that does that have a timeline on it? Or at any point, are you able to call them and say, if XYZ doesn't change, we're dropping? Like, how does that work? Absolutely. So your insurance contract will go through a series of uh, recredentialing. Um, and that's usually done through third parties and recredentialing is going to be a different timeline for each insurance company. So that may be one every three years or another insurance company, maybe once every 12 months. So your recredentialing timeline will be outlined in the contract you sign. But at any point in time, you as the provider can write a letter to the network and say, we no longer want to participate. And you just have to give them 90 days to get you out of the contract. So you can get out of your contracts. Um, There are a few outliers there. So there are a few networks that if you sign a contract with them, they'll hold you to it for two years. But there's few of those out there. The majority of them will let you out of a PPO contract within 90 days of written notice. And we're talking kind of a lot about the contracts in general right now, but I'm curious, how does working with PPOs differ as an associate versus an owner? Absolutely. That's a great question too. So as an associate, even if you're a 1099 associate, and we get this question a lot, um, you may be, you know, a subcontractor, but you're still submitting claims underneath the practice TIN and the group NPI2. So providers need to understand, and especially associates, that regardless if the practice is established that you're going to, you yourself as a provider has to get credentialed underneath the entity's TIN and your NPI1, though it follows you everywhere you go, has to be credentialed per location. So we get that misconception a lot where it's like, well, I've already been credentialed with all the networks at my past associateship. Shouldn't I just be in network by adding this location in? And I wish it was that simple, but unfortunately you do have to go through the process per location, per TIN, and then the associate has to submit the claims under their type one NPI and the practice type two NPI. So two completely different things. A big misconception is that you can just slide an associate's credentials through a different provider. So submitting claims under a different provider until the new associate is a network. And that is wrong. That is where insurance fraud becomes a big no-no. That's a federal crime, but yet we hear about it as something that can be done almost daily. So we definitely want to get that information out there that that is not something that you want to dapple in. And as an associate, you should know how your claims are being submitted from that practice. And your type one NPI always needs to be on the claim if you're the provider doing the service. And from what you just said, I came up with two things I'm curious about. So first being How long should a new grad expect to be waiting to get credentialed? And can you start that process right upon graduation? Or do you need to wait for your license to completely go through for the state you're working in? 
So you do have to have a license to fully submit the applications. So the credentialing process, um, you know, getting applications filled out, that can be started. It just cannot be submitted without the actual license. So, you know, new grad graduating, they usually don't get their license until July. Um, they may have signed a contract with a new employer that they're going to start in July upon graduation. That employer should have started the credentialing application process, meaning getting the apps filled out for what networks will be needed, but they can't be submitted until those applications are fully complete, meaning there's the DEA, there's uh, a license, uh, malpractice updated to the location, all of that has to be submitted with an application. And then you ask timeline, how long does it take to get a new graduate credentialed? So the reality is new graduates, they have to go through the full vetting process of making sure that their license is valid, that the school they went to is reputable. All of those credentials have to get checked. And then there's a backlog at that timeline as well. So typically July, August, September, there's this backlog of getting associates credentialed and the insurance companies are behind. So the reality is we, we want all providers to kind of have the realization it's going to take anywhere from 120 days on up to six to seven months in most cases to get an associate fully credentialed with all PPOs. Now your state specifics like Delta Dental, Blue Cross Blue Shield, they tend to go a little faster. Um, the process will be the same, but some of those networks will backdate to the date they receive the application. So then getting the actual effective date is a little bit faster, but your national carriers like Cigna and Guardian it takes as long as it takes. And then there's a whole nother level that we can throw into this. So when I talked about understanding the web of all the different ways a provider can be credentialed with an individual network, then you come into the third-party contracts. And when you credential an associate or any provider through a third-party contract, you have to first get an effective date with that contract, so let's say Connection Dental, that's a large umbrella company, say a provider is going to be a network with Aetna through, uh, through Connection, first they have to credential through Connection, which is going to take 90 to 120 days. And then once that is effective, the, the third party sharing starts, and then it's going to take Aetna an additional 90 days to load that. So that's where you're getting into that six plus months for providers to fully be a network. So there's this fear, well, if I'm not a network, I can't see patients. And that's just not true. We don't want uh, owners to feel like they have to rush their associates into direct contracts if the fees aren't feasible um, and, and overlook the third-party contracts because they take so long. It's really a way of setting your practice up for success, which is finding the best fee schedule possible for your practice. And then secondly, if you're going to be out of network for a period of time while credentialing takes place, it's having that game plan with your front staff to talk to the patients about how the provider they'll be seeing is in the process of being credentialed, though currently out of network, we can legally honor PPO write-offs and fees 
by submitting them legally to the insurance company. And that's a whole nother topic. And I'm not sure you want to get into that, but there are avenues that we can successfully get associates seeing patients while out of network, while still honoring PPO write-offs. Okay. That's interesting. And I'm also just want to clarify for myself and for other people listening. So the credentialing process is essentially the insurance company saying, we vetted you. We know you're a licensed dentist. You're able to practice. You're able to be in network with us. It's different than the actual reviewing of the fee schedule and signing the contract itself. Right. So it's all kind of lumped into one process, but the actual credentialing is the network vetting the credentials, the liability, all of that, the background check of the provider. The negotiation of fees takes place before the contract is sent in. Okay. So So, at what point in the process would people work with you or someone similar to go over fee schedules and start going back and forth with insurances? Honestly, as soon as an agreement is signed with an employer, you should start that negotiation process and figure out what's the best way for this provider to be credentialed. And a lot of the times, you know, as an associate's moving into um, a practice, that's a good opportunity for that owning provider to say, hey, I need to reevaluate my own PPO contracts. I'm bringing in a new associate. That's leverage for the networks to want to negotiate a little bit more. And so they should be using that to their advantage to get the higher fees for all providers in the practice as new associates are moving in. But the negotiation process should be done before any contracts are signed. Once you sign an agreement, you cannot go back and renegotiate the contract. So you have to have your negotiations done first. That process for us, we can usually have that done in a matter of three weeks or so. So so long as we have ample time to get negotiations in, we should be able to have most of the applications done and then we're just waiting for the app uh, for the license to come in from that provider and then all applications can be sent. And I know a lot of new associates especially whether they're choosing to do this or it just happens they work part-time in a couple practices. Yeah. Does would you have different fees potentially office to office cuz you were saying earlier that you get credentialed and contracted as an individual but at that specific office? 100%. Your fees will be different. Um, and so credentialing again is done per provider, per location, per TIN. So their NPI one, which is the national provider identification number, the, the number one to that will follow that provider everywhere they go. That's essentially their social security number for dental. It's never going to change. But the type two NPI is the group NPI, which will then change per practice. So they can be credentialed, their NPI one can be credentialed under multiple TINs and multiple group NPIs, all having different fees. What you will start to see, though, is claims will start to process incorrectly at some point in time for associates that work at multiple locations. And that's just because the insurance companies, are typically very unorganized and they'll see a claim come in, see a provider's name and then attach it to the wrong group. And you'll see, you know, checks or EOBs come back with the wrong group name 
right fees or vice versa. So um, it does open the doors for more errors within the insurance company as providers work for multiple practices, but that is not uncommon and they are always fixable. So it's just a matter of, you know, having a good team that can understand those EOBs and get things corrected. And I have more questions about kind of that initial associate job. I know there's a lot of things I could think about as potential problems you might run into. So one thing, if you're an associate working for the owner, I could imagine sometimes the owners are kind of like, you're going to do this, 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 this insurance, and we want to get you going as fast as possible kind of thing. And maybe don't really have support for you in terms of negotiating or looking into different ways of working with specific companies. Like you were saying, third-party providers are going directly through the insurance company itself. What advice would you have for someone in a situation like that, where they find that they don't feel like their owner is kind of empowering them to get the best fee schedule and make the best decisions there? Absolutely. So, you know, unfortunately, a lot of doctors or practices that they're they're in this this cycle of we're overwhelmed with insurance it takes too much time we just don't have the energy or the staff to put time into this right so really we need the associates to push the owners to say hey if i'm getting 30% of the ppo payout then I need my fee to be as high as it can be. And I'm not going to sign an agreement until I know the fees are negotiated and I've had a chance to look at what those are going to be. Because the reality is fees can vary dramatically from one practice to the other, even if they're just in the same building. So there there can be a 40, 50% difference in fees for a provider. And no one is really going to advocate for them except themselves. And, and when you're in that position of looking for that new job, being the new employee, that should be a part of your negotiation for your own employee contract to say, hey, I need to make sure that you're advocating to get me the highest fees. Have you heard of companies that do this? They can also increase your PPO payout as well. And it's a win-win for everyone. But really, it's such an overwhelming process for providers that they just tend to overlook it altogether. And I'm hearing this from a lot of my peers and new grads and just a hot conversation with dental insurance is specifically with like Delta Premier versus new grads never being able to have that status. And it's just kind of the maybe misconception, maybe reality. There's no way that new associates are ever going to earn as much as older doctors. Would you say that's a myth or is that the reality of the profession right now? In Delta, that's the reality. In Mm -hmm. everything else, that is a myth. And in all honesty, when we're working with acquisitions, providers that are taking over practices, we're able to increase the new owners, PPOs on average, about 33% higher than what the seller had. So I do not agree with that statement when it's outside of Delta. Now, inside of Delta, that is the reality. Unfortunately, Premier is a thing of the past. So these associates coming in, these new grads coming in are not going to get premier fees, but they do have the ability to negotiate all other fees and to do better with their contracting than what previous providers have done. So no, I don't, you know, I really do think 
So long as you're dedicated to understanding that there is more than one way to contract, there are multiple avenues out there, it's negotiations and it's stacking contracts, you can play the PPO game successfully and make more than what providers in the past have been making. That's refreshing to hear because I know it's something, even myself, I've been kind of concerned about when the time comes that I want to buy a practice, like evaluating its profitability. If it's this older doc that's been working for a while, I feel like I would be nervous that whatever numbers they're showing me is not the reality of what my books are going to look like because of lower reimbursements. But you're saying across the board, there's ways and with all the other insurance companies out there to still be very profitable. Absolutely. And honestly, be more profitable. So like I said earlier, on average, we're seeing about a 33% increase from the seller to the buyer on PPO fees outside of Delta. So you do have to look at that Delta component and you have to, you know, strongly understand that I'm going to make less on Delta if they were premier, but how can I make that up outside of Delta and overall still make this practice more profitable? And you absolutely can still do that. And do you, does PPO advisors work across all the USA with every state and have different people knowledgeable about the plan state by state? We do. So we are a nationwide company and we are spread out uh, employee wise all the way across the state, but all of us have the same vast amount of knowledge state to state. So whoever you work with at PPO advisors is going to be very knowledgeable on the state that you're in, regardless of where their demographic may fall. Um, And then we do offer free analysis for your acquisition providers, if they want a a review of what the seller currently has to how they could improve that before making a bite on that practice, we absolutely will help you understand that. And then any established practices, you know, so those established practices that are looking for an associate to come in, we'll also do a free evaluation and say, you know, bringing in an associate's going to allow you a 20% increase on these four insurances. So we are a great resource to just kind of open up that door of these are your options. What you do with them is what you do with them, but let us educate you on the options so that you can make the best decision moving forward for you and your team. And we talked a lot about associates specifically because it's probably the direction that most of my listeners are going to go at least initially. Is there anything else you think is really important for us new dental grads, young associates to bear in mind going through working with dental insurance? So the biggest thing, biggest takeaway is you you can no longer go in as a new grad to a practice and think the office is going to take care of everything. I don't need to know anything about insurance contracting and just kind of let them handle it. As easy as that would be and as enjoyable as that would be, I really do encourage new grads to jump in and understand and learn as much about insurance as they can before they become owners of their own practice. Take this time to review PPO contracts. Take this time to advocate for yourself and know and learn all the ways you can be contracted. So, um, you know, I, I am a firm believer in as you guys become owners and you guys become business, um, you know, minded owners here, 
insurance drives 90% of your practice for the most part. So that is the one area that I really, I see old providers know less and less and new providers really starting to grasp how this works and the success and the, in in that difference of an older provider to a newer provider. It's astonishing how well these new providers are doing. And that's just because the business sense is so different. And I had one follow-up question thinking about what you were talking about there. Are you at an advantage or a disadvantage, or it doesn't really matter if you've never been in network with a specific insurance company before, maybe you've been working a few years, you've just never worked with them. Does that affect what they're willing to kind of offer you? Does that give you more negotiation power or it doesn't really matter? It does. So, but it's not just the first time either. So anytime you have a new TIN, so say you are an associate right now, you're credentialed with every insurance, but when you go and buy your next practice and you're going to be the owner now, your new TIN has never been credentialed with any of the insurances. So it's a clean slate all over again. And the insurance companies will give you the most leverage on a brand new tax ID that's never been credentialed. That is your one opportunity to really negotiate the hardest. There's no agreements in place. There's no baseline set. Once you've already signed an agreement with a company, Now you're having to work from that baseline you agreed to from day one. So you want to make sure you get to that highest fee schedule with the new TIN. And every time you create a new entity, it's a clean slate. So definitely use that to your advantage as well. Got it. Thank you so much for all your information today and answering so many questions I had. I know I learned a lot about insurance just in our short conversation here. If any of my listeners are interested in working with you or just have questions, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Absolutely. So we really do encourage the listeners here today to just reach out with questions. You don't have to be in the process of, you know, looking for a practice or being credentialed. If you just want to learn, we're all about education. So please give us a call. You can reach us directly at 913-359. 7800, or you can email me directly, and I'm Shelly, S H E L L E Y, at ppoadvisors.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Shelly. Thank you.